0: Blog Talk Radio. <laughs>
1: everybody, and welcome to this episode of Blog Talk Radio, and this is uh, the podcast about Laura Ingalls Wilder, historic foodways, one-room schools, and other social history. This is Sarah Utoff, the host and creator of Trundle Bed Tales. Find us around the web under Trundle Bed Tales and on your favorite social media platform. If you listen or just have an account on iTunes, please leave positive feedback because that helps people find the show. And this is episode 118, Laura Ingalls Wilder's Birthday Party. And with that, let's just take a minute to do a little housekeeping.
0: And
1: the housekeeping portion of the show is where we tell you how to participate. And we hope hopefully we'll, we'll have a lot of participation today because that's what today's episode is all about. And uh, if you want to participate, you need to call in at 714-242-5253. That's 714 242 Five two five three, or toll free at one eight seven seven six three three nine three eight nine. That's toll free one eight seven seven six three three nine three eight nine. You can also, or you can use those numbers anytime the show is live. So, uh, if you want to listen through your phone, uh, you can do that too. Also by calling in. And you can stream it live on the Blog Talk radio website, uh, or you can get it downloaded as an MP3 from iTunes. And um, one other bit of, of housekeeping before we get into it. I wanted to make sure that uh, if you didn't get to see Walnut Grove's pageant's performance of um, the history of their pageant, uh, which is hopefully ending up about now on their Facebook page. I hope that you'll take a chance and go back and look at it. They have some great old pictures. Uh, The story of the Walnut Grove pageant is really fascinating, and I hope you enjoy that. And also they were announcing that they have a brand new website for Walnut Grove. So it has uh, the pageant, the museum the dugout site on it. It has the online store for the museum. And I I frankly am not a big proponent of changing websites because a lot of times the changes make things worse. <laughs> Think about Facebook's last update and how everyone loves that. Uh that it just happens too often. So unless you're sure you're making it better I don't change mine a lot. I will have to say, however, Walnut Grove, I know, has been having issues with being able to access their online store and be able to add new merchandise and take merchandise away and that kind of thing. So I think they were really at a point where they needed to, where they had to change. And it looks like they got a very nice job. It looks very cohesive. And I hope you will take the opportunity to uh, look and see what particular seat you'd like to reserve for the Walnut Grove pageant. And with that, before I go back, let me just repeat one more time. If you want to call in, you can do it by calling 714-242-5253. That's 714-242-5253, toll free. 1-877-633-9389 18776339389 that's toll free 187763399389 and with that i think that's about all of our housekeeping Now, uh, this is was a yearly event um, basically since uh, this podcast started, but I haven't gotten to be able to do it for the last two years. Uh, the two years ago in 2019, uh, I was in Disney World, February 6th. And I thought that I would be able to come up with, you know, um, be able to get going and do the episode. But, uh, you know, with everything, dealing with everything, uh, coming back from a big trip, it just didn't happen. And then last year, uh, what happened is there was a problem with my mic. And so I ended up talking for an hour and nobody could hear me. And a person uh, did call in to try and talk, and I could not hear her. So that was lots of fun. I hope we're not doing that again this year. And if you are listening and are thinking about calling in, now is the time to do it. Because what normally happens is I don't have any callers at all for uh, the first, you know, like 15 minutes. And then I have a whole bunch of calls during the last 15 minutes, which is why I took the show to be an hour instead of just a half hour because uh, people said, oh, we need more time to get up the courage to call. So hopefully that will work out okay and we'll get people calling in. Uh, It has been an interesting year for Laura fandom. Uh, we've already had uh, the American Masters documentary be released on DVD. We've had uh, the call-in section from Iowa Public Television. And we've heard a lot of cool ideas for what's going to happen this summer. So fingers crossed some of them actually do. And uh, I, we have a call. So uh, area code 516 Welcome to the program.
0: Mark from Walnut Broadcast. How are you doing?
1: Oh, Mark, thank you so much for calling in. I appreciate it. Well,
0: thank you for doing this. I think it's so cool that you're doing a call-in thing. I mean, it's got to be nerve-wracking sometimes. And I'm such a fan of your work and, um, and your podcast. I'm just really honored that you even took my call. Thank you.
1: Well... I'm glad that you enjoy the podcast, and Mark has uh, a podcast himself, and he actually interviewed me, which was really great, so be sure to awesome. look for that. So uh, what? why do you uh, love Laura so much? Did you start out with the TV show, or did you start out with the book?
0: You know, um, the book series is... I was aware that the television show existed, of course. I'm a child of the 70s and 80s, but I wasn't really much of a fan of the television show, but Laura Ingalls Wilder's books were the first books that I remember um, clicking with me and making me excited to read, to be honest with you. I read my first one, and I don't remember which one it was. It was not in order, but it was sometime in the the third grade, and – I just fell in love with the entire concept and I blew through maybe four books and I was just hooked on the entire concept of reading. So really I I have so much love and admiration for Laura Ingalls Wilder as an author. Um, I did fall in love with the television show, which is what Walnut Grove cast really focuses on. But at the same time um, I, I just have such a respect and love of the history and the, um, and Laura Ingalls Wilder's actual literature.
1: Well, I guess uh, what you have done, um, uh, that would be the most interesting thing you've done to show your, your Laura affection is starting your own podcast. But do you have another story? Uh, did, have you gotten to visit any of the home sites? Have you tried anything that you've read about in the book? Have you been on the hunt for some particular artifact and finally found it?
0: Um, you know, I visited Malone. Um, I um, After speaking to Dean Butler, he, he gave me a lot of tips and um, a real insight on the history of, of um, I guess the correlation of the books and how it can go so much further through the books. So I have this like newfound love over the books, but I guess, Um, I don't know if I'm collecting things. I'm really just collecting um, artifacts from the TV show for the most part. Um, I definitely lean towards the TV show, but I am falling in love all over again with not just the books, but the history that surrounds the authors. So uh, for instance, you shared all of this really fantastic information on the podcast um, about uh, Rose Wilder and I was just blown away. I mean, I, I'm in awe over the amount of information that not only each episode of your podcast has, but the amount of information that you were able to share on mine. So, again, I have to, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on to my show and talk. I hope you return.
1: Well, I would be glad to return. I had a great time.
0: <laughs> you know, we had a fun so, time, right?
1: Yes. So... Um, have you uh, do you, have you gotten any new Laura materials this year? Have you bought the copy of the documentary or some uh, book that you hadn't found before?
0: Um, you know, I I do have the PBS special that came out a few weeks ago, or even a month at this point. I think I paid for it. I, I mean, it was one of these stream, streaming type of things, right? Mhm. Um and I watched most of it. I still have not taken the time to sit down and watch it. I don't know. There's too many distractions right now.
1: Well, that that does happen. Uh yes. and it was I I've, I've watched it a couple times now, which is good because the first time I was uh live uh, uh live tweeting it and mm-hmm. that is not very um Helpful when you're watching something that likes to flash on to different images fairly quickly. So um, while I was typing, something else completely was going on. So it was good to watch it again. So I, I think you're going to enjoy it. It it really wasn't. I I guess all this time that they were working on it. It never really occurred to me that an American Masters thing is sort of an introduction for people. I was kind of thinking they were going to maybe dig up something new, but it really is an introduction for people, and you need to go into it with that mindset, and I think if you do, you'll enjoy it.
0: Well, I know um, William Anderson was very, very excited about it. Um, I know his fingerprints are all over the documentary, and he's in it. And um, he, uh, you're 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 friendly with him, and you know he's such a great guy, and um, that alone just makes me think it's gone in the right direction. They, they, from what I understand, they did a wonderful job with it, and I really do. I, I think it deserves the respect of sitting down and actually paying attention, and not just having it in the background as I cook or something.
1: Well. You know. I imagine I will watch it again, so that is probably good advice. For the first dealing is to not to uh, uh, be cooking or something while while you're doing it.
0: I have to ask you, Sarah. I'm going to turn. I'm going to turn the table. What um, have you gotten anything um, new? Um, I'm not used to being interviewed, so I'm going to flip it. Um, are um, have you gotten anything new, um, Laura Ingalls Wilder um, centric?
1: Well, the last uh, the the last book I got was the little news ho- uh, P- newspapers on the prairie, which was based on Julie Williams' paper about Carrie uh, Ingalls Swainsey, and I haven't gotten it read yet. And I also got mm-hmm. uh, the Long Winter book by Cindy Wilson, and I have not got that read yet either because. I am apparently a bad person because I don't get my books <laughs> right, but they're sitting there on the shelf. Um, the, the latest thing I got that was pretty cool was um, there, one, of my, one of my goals is to get all of the earliest merchandise I can find. I have a price list. Uh, from uh, Mansfield in 1967 and I'm trying to get everything on there and some of the really early stuff they sold at the other sites and uh, there was a tea towel that the DeSmet Memorial Society put out that uh, the the Loftus store got asked about enough that they made a replica poster of it and I found one of the original tea towels. Oh yes. really? So Um
2: that was,
0: one that was thing nice I wanted fun. to one thing I wanted to mention and you cleared the air on Facebook for me I was not aware of this. I had um I had quoted Laura Ingalls Wilder as coining the phrase or the um the quote home is the nicest word there is and you um correctly corrected it and stated that Loringles Wilder, the author, never said that. That was the character from the television show. It was written for yeah. the character, and I just That's wanted to it. just put it out there on your show and make sure everybody knows it. And from this point, well, from that point on, I will not be quoting <laughs> the author. Well, and, um, that
1: it's. It's an expression, and I shouldn't let it bother me. I really shouldn't. Who cares? Accuracy is actually But it just really gets to you after a while if you see thing after thing after thing saying that, because people like to use it on those little, um, you know, thought of the day type posters. People who are trying to sell houses will always, it seems like, put that little quote with a picture of the <laughs> house they are trying to sell, and it's just like, yeah. no, you like Michael Landon, cited as Michael Landon. You like the TV show, cited as the TV show.
0: Why? Grab Why do people have no. to say it
1: with Laura? It's just it's funny.
0: No, it, I think that it's important. It's like when somebody says, "Um, Alman, um, Almanzo," and I, you know, I have to correct them. It's Almanzo.
1: Yeah, that's that's another one that gets on me. We we had to work on Dean Butler for a long time before he finally gave up and changed it because it, <laughs> it, that's that's so not right. And and that one it also bugs me for, and it's a stupid reason too. But I mean, even if you haven't heard the recording of Laura's voice saying it, which you totally can, Laura Ingles Wilder speaks. It's available from the home site. It also has Pods Fiddle on it. It's a great C D, buy it. But um yeah. even if you haven't heard that, where would you think you'd possibly get the nicknames Manny and Manly from Elmonzo? I mean it Wake nice. up people, wake up.
0: <laughs> I couldn't agree more. And again, accuracy is accuracy. I mean these the TV show may be loosely based on the actual people, but it is based on the people and any bit of accuracy that we can fit into that, I think is important. Yes. Lucy Lee Flippen, Flippen, who played the, um, played Almanzo's um, sister on the show, Mm -hmm. said that she just read the script and that was the way she assumed that it was said. And she's the person who, Takes full responsibility for saying it once and making it stick. <laughs> well, I, I really think,
1: I really think that the problem is the name Alonzo. And if you knew Alonzo was a name, and you saw that and didn't really read carefully enough to see that was an A instead of an O, I could see someone you know saying you know Elonzo, Elmanzo.
0: You know, I, I think it's that's kind kind of really really it's a little snootier to say it too, you know.
1: It's,
0: all, <laughs> it's a
1: That is true. It is a, you can say it very snooty.
0: But so I was saying. listening in um I, I was watching the Zoom call earlier from that the uh, museum was hosting. There's a lot of interesting stuff, a lot of great characters that were popping up. And I love the fact that um of course today's L'Oreal's Wilders birthday is also my birthday, which... Um, oh, really? to it is! Well, um, happy Mark birthday! Mark Twain, Laura and me. <laughs> um, uh,
1: Charles Dickens is too, I think.
0: Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah. Um, Yeah, it's one of those things. And so I didn't know that I shared a birthday until more recently. And... I don't know, I have this kinship now. I have this connection to Laura Ingalls Wilder that I never had before, even though I always felt very much in love with her writing. So, um, but yeah, this is the year of what I'm going to be doing is reading all of the books again, um, chronologically, uh, really trying to absorb them, really taking my time with them, um, maybe discussing with people. And I don't know, trying to get people to pick up the books more because I, I think it's important that, people read a little bit more. These are, these are quick reads and there's so much good content in them. And we need more attention on the literature that surrounds the television show because the TV show, although very entertaining, um, lacks the historical accuracy that we, you know, we keep bringing up. So I don't know. Not that the books are exactly historical um, vessels or something. It's just a matter of, um, I'd say they're as close to accurate, so much closer to accuracy than the TV show. That's
1: all. Yeah, I think that is very fair to say. And I do, I encourage people to go back and read the books because I always say they're like an episode of The Simpsons or like the Bible in that people, there are so many different levels and anybody who's looking for something in particular is going to be able to find something that uh, affirms that in those books. I mean, mm. every time you read them, you get something different. Um, it, it's just, it's really like somebody who had done a proper job of finishing a nice piece of wood furniture, and it had layer upon layer upon layer upon layer on it, because it really, uh, there's just so much there to find. And I... Can I, I ask you... You... Oh, no, go ahead.
0: No, I wanted to ask you... Um, who do you happen to know who Laura Ingalls Wilder's favorite authors were?
1: Uh, what I, did she
0: read? You know, uh,
1: you can get a list of the books that was in the library at Mansfield, or at least hmm. uh, what's in there now from Mansfield. They they have a list of it that they uh, have in the gift shop. Um, she, the books that she talks about in uh, this the series themselves are are books that she had too so there they have the um, polar and tropical worlds which is pot big green uh, a big green animal book which is mm-hmm. super Super cheap to find on eBay, especially if you're willing to not, not get a green one because there were oodles and oodles copies and editions and a lot of them aren't, aren't green. But um, you can get that one. Uh, if, if you actually go on Nancy Cleveland's blog, Pioneer Girl, she's got a lot of information about the books that, that she read during the series. Uh, one of the ones she talks about Uh, It was by Mary J. Holmes, who was this huge 19th century bestseller that nobody seems to remember today at all, which is really sad. (laughs) But um, she she actually, I I have a funny connection with her because she also wrote a book called Homestead on the Hillside. And that was my great-grandmother's favorite book. And she named my grandmother after one of the characters in that book. So I think that's that's kind of a cool thing, too. Um, later on, Laura read different things. She checked out a lot of stuff in the public library, too. And she liked to read Western because uh, they were those little Western paperbacks. So they were easy to hold and easy to read. And so she mm-hmm. liked that. And I think there's a little bit... There are a few things in the books that I think are a little um, Western-y, you know, not okay. just the overall t- tones of the book, but there are some things that I think she just dropped in there because they were sort of staples of Western. So I, I think she she really liked Westerns, but I can't tell you a particular author. I would say okay. probably Zane Gray because Zane rocks, and I highly but recommend You know, it's like it.
0: another – it's another rabbit hole to go down. You know, it's like, what did Laura Ingalls Wilder read, you know? Yeah. Um, and I do want to just mention your website, the uh, that Speaking of rabbit holes, you, someone can visit your website and there is so much content in your website. It kind of blows me away. Like I'll click the blog and it's just so much stuff. And I, I just have to really, um, Really just say how much I appreciate the, the amount of work that you put into the, the preservation of, um, of all of this. Because it, it's very much so Laura Ingalls Wilder focused, but it touches upon so many other avenues. So, yeah, it's a, if people haven't had a chance to really explore your, um, your writing and all of this stuff, they really should. It might take a couple of weekends to get through it all.
1: Well, that's very nice of you to say. I hope so. I try and put out things that I think would be um, good and interesting for people. And when you get into really researching Laura, it's it's it you never know which way it's going to go, because um, mm-hmm. you can. There are so many different things that you can study. There's the clothes, or the gardening, or the quilting, or the well, the authors that she read, or you know, how the home site and land descriptions work, and about townships that was something that surprised me. I only found that out a couple of years ago. Um, that here in the Midwest, like 36 states use the township system, and mm-hmm. I thought. Everybody used the township system. I did not realize that, the, you know, there was another 20-some states that uh, that were on the older system and didn't have townships. And it just kind of blew my mind away that I needed to explain what a township was to people. So,
0: there's yeah, it's people. Little... <laughs> like, I live in a hamlet here on Long Island. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like the Burton. And I guess hamlets are broken up from towns. And it's, it's very strange how it all works.
1: Yes. Well, it's, that, that was something uh, that they did right when they got the Northwest Ordinance through. It had a nice standardized way to keep track of land. And <laughs> by that time, they had gotten pretty far <laughs> from the edge.
0: Yeah. So what is next with you in Trundlebed um, Tells? Do you have any, well, um, what are your next topics?
1: The, uh, well, I've got, I haven't got any dates uh, with people for this month after this, so I I need to. Okay. I've got some people lined up. Um, but I'm going to be working on some more videos. Uh, I've got a, In the Kitchen with Laura one ready to go. and I love that. Uh, well, thank you. I, I really like those two. Uh, and I'm going to be doing some more uh, shorter videos. I do in the minute, and Laura in a minute, where are kind of really short things. So I'm going to go and do some that are sort of Laura basics that uh, people, um, it, it just seeing all the questions people have asked coming off the documentary, there um, has, has kind of reaffirmed my idea that so many people. Don't don't know the basic things about what has already been researched and where they can find stuff. And and, I mean, there's been a lot of research on more. You don't have to start over yourself at the beginning. So I want to kind of help people do that a little bit, because I think there is going to be a surge of interest from this. At least I hope so.
0: I think the PBS thing is definitely launching a newfound interest on a whole new generation. This whole sitting at home thing, I've spoken to a number of people who said they use this opportunity of being at home to finally start reading through the books and doing more of their own personal, you know, research and rabbit holes. So I think, you know, a lot of people are turning, you know, lemons to lemonade with the time that, you know, that they have on their hands and you know, learning learning about all of this is just a really wonderful use of time
1: Well I think so and and I really think well I said this I said this on your podcast but I always say that um, Laura shows people how things used to be done and I think that's important when people don't know how things are done now I think that is something that that um readers can really get out of Laura and and I hope that they do. I hope that they learn how it used to be and um right. and, and
0: well, it's, um, in, it's so important on so many different levels um also because you know a lot of people don't realize that she was in her sixties when these books were originally published. So she's telling a story from just you know her childhood of you know maybe fifty years ago or so. And so that's telling a story of yesteryear, but now we're t- retelling a story of, you know, yesteryear of yesteryear, and it, it's it is it's so important to to capture these stories, and I love it.
1: Well, that's good, and and I think this summer we'll have some more opportunities. It sounds like anyway. Uh, some of the home sites are going to and planning on having events this summer. And I've, I've actually gotten asked to come to the Homestead National Mar- uh, Monument in uh, June, uh, which is in Beatrice, Nebraska. That is where the very first homestead was homesteaded. And uh, I'm going to be doing a program there. And I think there it, we're not, firm yet but I think I'm going to be going out to Desmet for the 50th anniversary of the pageant. So, um hopefully those things will actually happen cuz last year I had a bunch of really cool stuff scheduled and none of that actually happened. So
0: yeah, everything is so crazy right now. It it's so hard to plan and then see what's going to happen in, you know, next week. So I, I hope that all comes to fruition. That's great. Um. um so, how many people um, do you like when you have people call in? Um, do you screen like how does that work? Um, have you ever had any problems? <laughs> I just i well, can see myself having problems. Well, I love it, this in the, that you can just call in.
1: <laughs> well, it is, I'm a one man show, so I don't have anybody. To uh, check right uh, colors out in the green room um, ahead (laughs) of time, putting them on there. So, so, uh, I have had a couple of issues. Um, I had one guy, and it it was really odd because he asked a whole bunch of great questions, like the dream questions that you'd want to have. And then he started doing this weird stuff about had I ever kissed the person I was interviewing and it was like, what? <laughs> and so I, you know, of course cut him off right there, but it was just so weird because all of his other questions had been just like <laughs> perfect, like what you wanted. And then th- that didn't make any sense.
0: Uh, yeah, and had... like, hey, Tara, I just wrote a song while we were talking for you. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just play it real quick. You know, people, you know, people can be a little bit out there, but you know, um, yeah, I, think I think that maybe he was starstruck probably because, you know, he, he probably hears your show and he probably really has a lot of admiration for you. Then he was given this opportunity to speak to you. And, you know, he probably got overwhelmed with that.
1: I think that's very nice of you. I don't
0: think that's true at all.
1: <laughs> I, I think what it is is when you do episodes on the weekdays, is where you, you, you usually get in trouble. If it's, because uh, the <laughs> blog track radio shows what shows are live, and so I think oh. when the people I have gotten that are the most problem, I think just uh, saw the link that it was live and tuned in and didn't really know anything else about it but there's um, but uh, I have a lot of uh, people who do follow it, and I'm always very grateful when people do you
0: yeah, whenever I listen to your show, uh, I always walk away with have learning learned something or I have, get to add something to my list of um, things to re- <clears throat> things to research that week and, and all that kind of good stuff. I, I really hope you um, continue doing your podcast for a very long time. It's just, it's a real rewarding experience for the listener.
1: Absolutely. Well, thank you. I, I hope so. I, I try a lot. Actually, um the, the hardest time is uh, getting the questions lined up for the interview. So, you have something to say uh, that's That's always the hardest part. And then getting times like I was doing really well last year, and I had a whole bunch of uh, times and I um, lined up and I went there were like four uh, four sessions planned. And I went to reconfirm them and each one of those four had an issue come up. And so they weren't Ah, interested in doing the the show right now. So that I sometimes don't get new stuff done for a while, but I always try, uh, try and do a monthly what's ahead. And um, one episode where I'm just talking and an episode where we interview somebody and then a travel times episode. So if we get everything done, which is always a big question. That's four episodes, which is quite a bit. Yeah.
0: You know, um, I, I think it's great. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you do what you you can do and you you, know, you get it out there and I love it, Yeah, you know, but yeah, the preparing for your show definitely takes um, a bit more effort than I think mine does. Mine is a little bit more, um, free flowing. You, know, <laughs> you don't have to be too prepped. Yeah. You know. <laughs> um, but still, you know, I, I think that what we're doing, keeping the whole Little House in the Prairie and the Laura Angles Wilder um, conversation going, and as it finds, uh, as the books and the television show find new audiences, um, you know, throughout Europe and everywhere else, um, different Asian countries, I think it's incredible. Um, I have a listener from Australia, and um, she said that Little House, is, um, the books and the television show are almost non-existent, but they, they're getting this little bit of a fringe following there. So down on yeah. there, they're discovering
1: it. Well, actually, um, the, the Big Noles, who were a family from Australia, they they made, th- this was back in the 60s, they made this huge trip to the United States. They, they came in and did the... Uh, uh, the February 7th is usually, I don't think they did it this year, but it's usually the Pomona Public Library has um, a gingerbread sociable for Laura's birthday. And uh, they came in for that. And then they did all of the home sites. And they did it in the 1960s, uh, in the middle of the winter, because that was <laughs> when their, their summer vacation is in Australia. And oh my so there's all these articles that uh the various home sites you know put in the paper like here are these people from australia and we don't understand why they are here (laughs) oh
0: my they're they're buying coats every day they just keep wearing more coats yes Um, well there's there's a picture
1: of them um from the dismet news of them all lined up in front of the third street house in dismet and yes it does look like they have quite a few coats on. And I,
0: I would imagine. That's a great way to learn to hate the United States is to visit <laughs> one of our cold states in the middle of winter. Absolutely.
1: Well, especially when it's supposed to be your summer vacation, that would be kind of.
0: <laughs> I mean, Australia, I... you know, it's all surfing and beaches there.
1: <laughs> but I think they, I think they enjoyed it. Um she uh, the the mother of the group still kind of keeps an eye on Laura Fandom and she did a paper uh, when she got back home um, and presented at some big conference about what it was like visiting the home sites and I wish I could find a copy of it those are one of that's one of those things that I'm still looking for I, uh, I would like to find a copy of her thing but she had a flood in her basement and her copy is gone so I'm still oh, no. trying anybody who who has a copy.
0: But that's a great story. See, I love that. And, you know, they, they had so much passion in their hearts. They needed to go to these locations that were in the books. And, you know, they, um, they got the real uh, winter experience. You know, that's discussed um, in many of the books. <laughs>
1: well, and, and they do say, uh, well, in, in one of my other lives, I am a Disney fan. And they do say that when Australian people come to Disney, they stay longer because it took them so long to get here. So it's probably not as odd thing as it seems for them to spend like a month in America. I think that would have been <laughs> more, more reasonable with that, but it just seems, you know, cause they went everywhere. They, I oh, think they, they even went up to Michigan and saw Bill Anderson. I mean, it was like
0: everywhere. You mentioned Disney. You know, we, um, we've we been planning our Disney World trip. We've been putting it off and everything. We were supposed to be there probably around now. And we put it off because we just want um, it to be a little bit easier to go. And we're hoping, hoping that it's going to be a year from now. But we just kept putting it off. And um, the last time we really put it off was because we wanted to wait for the Star Wars. Um, I forget what it's called. The Star Wars world, Galaxy's Edge. Yeah, Galaxy's Edge. Terrible, man. Well, and, actually,
1: uh, actually, that's why we went in 2019. I don't know if you heard the beginning when I was saying I hadn't done it two years ago because we were just coming back from Disney and it was just it it did not happen. But um, yeah. it was uh, we were went in 19 because uh, we knew that. Um, early 19, because we knew that the Star Wars was going to be opening later in the year. And while we like Star Wars, we like less people more. So we were trying to get in that <laughs> spot before all the Star Wars people showed up. But that did not work. We have, we have a great ability to pick times that are normally on the crowd calendar said to be very quiet and to bring in a record number of people that no one was expecting at that same time. Yeah, we skill. went on in uh, 2015
0: and 2017. We went and we, we absolutely loved it. It's just, um, I don't know. We, we really wanted to go, um, but you know what? This is the whole thing. It's it's just going to allow us to enjoy it even more when we finally, you know, get there. I, I hope but so. But when, you know,
1: You know, Laura is technically a Disney princess, because uh, when they remade the series uh, on ABC, I'm sorry, my brother's giving me a really weird look. She is a Disney princess. They remade the book on The Wonderful World of Disney on ABC. It's a five-hour thing of Little House in the Prairie. That means that she's a Disney princess. He is not convinced. Oh, but it you, know, is, you know? When if you're one of the if you're a lead character in a Disney movie and you're a girl, you're a Disney princess.
0: I would say yes. so. I you definitely get my vote for that. Now is that something that is available? Do you know if that's on Disney Plus?
1: I don't think it's on Disney Plus. The DVD is available. At least the last time I checked the Walnut Grove Museum had it. Um, but I don't. I gotta
0: understand.
1: look for that. We still do, but there's so much stuff Disney Plus could add. But you're right. That's a we should we should uh, treat Disney and say, hey, get that on there.
0: Or I'm gonna I'm gonna end my seven dollar subscription. Um, yeah. But yeah, you know, I I bet it's on there, and we just don't know it. They have a lot of interesting stuff that's hidden in the 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 darker corners of Disney Plus. Well, that's true.
1: Well, it's, it's a very interesting production because Ed Friendly, who uh, was the person who really got the NBC series started, was pretty much pushed out um, over the course of the first season of the NBC show. And she was rather resentful about that. And he had certain ideas that he wanted of how he thought the show should go that it didn't. So this, um, this ABC remake, you can really see every one of those things that he felt had not been done properly. Um, it was really, really honed in on. And then they got this guy to direct it that was used to directing race movies. Mm -hmm. You know, like when they did. So they thought that would be great because this is really a a trip, and it should have. And you can really tell with like the bouncing camera and stuff that he's coming from that background. And then there's, um, I'm sure they were very concerned about how they portrayed the Osages, and you can really tell that from how the movie goes too. The the thing I had the most trouble with, though, I think if someone was not trying to balance all those different horses and was trying to come up with their an ideal treatment of Laura, it would have been different. But the one I had trouble with was that Laura and Mary's hair was the same color. And they still <laughs> had the argument about the uh, brown hair and the blonde hair. And it's sort of like, look in the mirror, girls. Your hair is identical. And that really <laughs> But other than that, it's it's worth seeing. It's, um, I mean, if if you see it, I, you know, there's that that old saying that a camel is a horse designed by committee, and and I think you get that kind of feeling for this. But it's it's worth watching. I think you'll see well, what I mean. I'm definitely going to try
0: it's digging good. it up. Um, I definitely, I'm going to first look on Disney Plus. But if I can't find it, I'll probably find the DVD somewhere on Amazon or something. Well, good but, luck. It's something. So but uh, Sarah, thank you so much for having me on here. You know, um I don't wanna I don't wanna take up your whole show. I feel like I'm stealing all the time away, but
1: Well, I um, I will tell you that I haven't you know, I tell you this show I either it's either feast or famine and I really haven't had too many other people call today. So I am very grateful that oh, you called because I will oh, tell oh, you wow. I have do done it. the talking by myself for an hour telling people to call, and it well, uh, is not fun, but well, I
0: always take a chance to call in and and plug my podcast and say hi make it make a dumb joke, you know I'm always up for that
1: well, <laughs> I appreciate it that those are all good things to do uh and um let me just say again, in case anybody is considering calling in. The phone number is 714 242
0: 5253.
1: 714 242 5253. Or toll free. So one, oh, sorry, sorry. No, it's okay. Or toll free 1 633 9389. That's toll free 1 633 9389. Okay, Mark, what?
0: No, I just wanted to say, you know, people get so nervous when they call into shows and everything, but Sarah's so easy to talk to. So if if you're thinking about it, just dial it. I dare you. I dare you to call. Laura would do it. Yeah, you know, she probably would. Well, she would. And she'd correct you. She'd go, oh, hey <laughs> No, I don't think she would ever say the word hey. But um but Sarah, thank you so much. I I really appreciate everything you do. Your show is really fantastic and Um, And I hope to have you um, return to Walnut Grovecast if you ever have the time. And, um, you know, I'm definitely going to call in on your show in the future.
1: Well, thank you. I I hope you do. And uh, I appreciate you calling in today, Mark. And uh, one last time, why don't you tell them the name of your podcast and where they can find
0: you? Sure. Um, They can go to walnutgrovecast.com, and that's it. You can find it all right there. Indeed, okay, thanks, but, it's, but it definitely has a focus on the television show um you know for the moment anyway, but thank you so much sarah have a have a great day and in, enjoy all of this and um I'll talk to you very soon,
1: okay, and I put you in the green- green room, so if you want to uh keep listening to the end of the hour in there, you sure can if you want to go ahead and hang up, you can do that too so uh we had a great visit with Mark today. And I hope there are other people out there thinking about Laura and uh, all the ways that you can celebrate her birthday. Uh, One thing that, um, uh, well, there have been days where I have done an actual Laura party, but I don't actually do that anymore because you can't trust the weather uh, in Iowa. Uh, There are, uh, there was, uh, another inch of snow yesterday, and uh, well, as I mentioned, my brother is sitting right here, giving me odd expressions from time to time. How many? How much snow do we have in the ground right now? A shrug is not a good answer. Well, you were the one moving the snow. I think we measure. All right. Well, if I said five inches, would you give me a look, or would you think? <laughs> yes, I would give one
0: five inches.
1: Well, ten. I don't know. All right. she thinks there's between five and ten inches out there right now, and actually, we are in a bit of a uh, another one of these great polar vortexes that we love so much right now. So uh, usually there's a couple days warming up after a storm. That kind of helps clean off the road and the sidewalks and stuff. And this time it went down to be super, duper, duper cold. So uh, there's still a lot of of ice on the road. But but they're pretty good for, for transporting now. But you never can tell. There's... Many a Laura party I have tried to do, and there have been ice storms and blizzards and that kind of thing. So I, I really I really think the Pomona Public Library is the best place to have a birthday party for Laura, where it's California, and you can actually be sure you're actually going to get there as long as there isn't a fire. <laughs> um, let's see. One of the things that um, I haven't done lately but is on my list is I need to get a batch of Laura's gingerbread done Um, because I'm hoping, I'm not sure exactly when I'm going to get it done. That's going to be another one of my In the Kitchen with Laura videos, Um, so I hope we can do that again soon. And we have another caller, area code 319 you are on the show. Hi, welcome to the show. Hi. We have another Is that, caller, 319. You are on the show. I'm hearing myself in the background, Susan. Are you there? Okay.
2: <laughs> Hi. Let me get the sound off here, muted here. Um.
1: So are you doing some more stuff at Usher's Ferry this year?
2: Um, Hopefully next year. Haven't done anything this year because of COVID. But anyway, you were just talking about gingerbread, and I'm just thinking this is the first year in quite a few years that I haven't made a batch of gingerbread for Laura's birthday. I used to make it and take it into work for them to eat. And then – the last two years, I've been retired, and so I would take it to Friends, and I think last year, I made a batch, and I took some of it out to, um, I, well, I'd take it to my my dance class, which isn't going on right now, and last year, I made a batch, and I, I went out to Usher's Ferry with it, and um, got Sue Dugan, who just moved back from... Arizona to come out to Usher's Ferry and and Chaco was there and um, Kathy and um, and um, Aaron who volunteers out there too to come out and got Sue to come back and see Usher's Ferry which turned out to probably be the only time she got to go out last year because it was February and things closed down in March so anyway but. And then I realized today I could have made a half batch of it, but but I think I took it to my Bible study and other places. But I realized today that maybe I could have made a half batch of gingerbread, but I was trying to decide. I had nowhere to take it to because we're all in lockdown.
1: <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell I, you, I don't think Laura would mind if made it a different day instead. Yeah. Uh, Uh, For those of you who don't know Susan Gale, she uh, does some – she's been volunteering for a long time up at uh, the Laura Days and Pepin out at the Log Cabin, and she also did some um, Laura Ingalls Wilder cheese out at Eshers Ferry after uh, I got a different job, so I wasn't there anymore. So she's done a lot of of hard work making nice Laura experiences for other people.
2: And I I volunteer out at Usher's Ferry, the historical village, and and cook on the wood stove. And I've made Laura's gingerbread for um, sometimes out there when I volunteer to do cook stove cooking. So anyway, even though sometimes people insist that it's brownies, but Anyway, so for Laura's birthday, I would make gingerbread, and I used to be working, and I used to take it in to work with me as a treat for everybody to celebrate Laura's birthday. And then I'd been retired two years, and then I would take it wherever I was going <laughs> to, to share with whoever.
1: Well, another thing that you've done a lot is uh, you volunteer at the cabin at Laura Date. uh and right, you i help, do and and you help the uh little girls so uh well you four start patches. out with having them do a four patch right
0: mm-hmm.
1: right and uh have you found do, do you, have you found a lot of interest of in kids in doing that? Have have they a lot of them already hand sewn or are you introducing them to hand sewing? Um,
2: yes and no. We have some that come back who've done it before and some who've never done it. We have some that really look forward to coming back who've done it before and then gone home and and put more patches together. Some of them that've actually put enough together for a couple of years to make a little quilt out of it, and then some that's their first experience sewing together. But anyway, but it's just some that you know have never seen a needle and thread. <laughs> so it's really that's one of my favorite things about um, is about Pepin's Laura Days is that they have the traditional craft area and and we do that out at the cabin so we do some more traditional traditional craft type things that some of the places don't do so it's really good it was really really missed not having it last year
1: well um you got to do uh or what what is it like to get to sit there um, by the log cabin and sew I mean you don't have people constantly is that I haven't ever sewed at the cabin are you um uh we, wh- we,
0: we pretty much
2: by? we pretty much have people constantly, we really do Sunday it's a little well we always haven't always sewed on Sunday because we don't have the volunteers but we pretty much have people constantly it's it's pretty consistent sometimes more than we can almost handle we have to have several people do it Mm -hmm. because it because it takes um it takes quite a few to help to to work with them because you've got to you know teach them how to get the needles threaded and knotted off and and we have lines on there so they can sew along the lines, but you help them knot it off when they get to the end. And, and we do have lines on the, on the, um, on the um, wrong side, so we get them to sew on the wrong side. And, and like I said, for some people, it's their first experience sewing with a needle and thread
1: that people don't do anymore. And if anybody is looking to do sort of a quilt quilt, um, sewing session, Mm -hmm. it's always good. I think if you're you're working with kids who haven't done it before, you want a lot of needles. You want scissors on a ribbon that can go around your neck so they're not being passed around Mm -hmm. and lost. You want to do uh, two... uh, two fabrics, one of which has a very obvious right and wrong and one of which Mm -hmm. there's no difference of having a right and wrong you can draw a line on it but there's a lot to be uh, gotten from uh, doing hand sewing
2: There's a lot to be done and I'm I'm actually not a quilter but I do know how to hand sew so (laughs) it's but anyway, I keep threatening. Now that I'm retired, I'm going to do that. But but I have just made a couple of patches. But anyway, but well, I can teach them how to hand sew. So
1: well, anyway. uh, I appreciate the work you put a lot of effort in it.
2: Eugene. You know, to it, but it's it's just peppin' to me. Their their Laura days are are top. Um, if you want to experience a Laura, uh, one of the Laura Day festivals, theirs are really great, and hopefully theirs are, are in September. So hopefully they will get to take place this year. So we're really hopeful.
1: Well, I But hope anyway, so. it
2: yeah. was I was sure it was sure a quiet year without them this last year.
1: It sure was. Without any
2: of those festivals. I like I said I retired 2 years ago so the summer before I finally made it up to and I worked weekends some of the time so I finally made it up to Bur Oak and then we had Laura Palooza, and then and then um Laura Days and I you know felt like I got to do so much and I had so much planned for last year and then here I didn't get to do any of it and, and family reunions. So do you know what date you're going to be out at the Homestead Memorial or you don't uh, know yet?
1: June 13th, I think. Um, that is Sunday. And uh, it's. I, I may be doing one the uh, day before, too. I'm not sure. But I'm I'll definitely be sure. out there on the 13th for uh, they're going to be having a panel uh, with people talking about different Western writers. So with that, we are actually out of time, Susan. So thank you for calling okay. in. You're and, welcome. And thank you uh, to Mark and to everybody else who is here today. And even if you're just listening along, I appreciate it, or if you're hearing this another day. And uh, since Susan brought up volunteering at the home site. Especially for the event weekend, all the home sites are always looking for help. So feel free if you want to spend a weekend in one of the home site towns, hands-on helping. I think they would be glad to hear from you. And uh, with that, I want to uh, recommend that everybody uh, uh, check back with us next time. Remember to brighten the corner where you are. And welcome to the next episode of Trundle Bed Tale.) <laughs>